welcome to McCam's Yamaha Hospitality um, because we have a Yamaha rider with us. This is the beauty of podcast. Even though we've been doing this for 10 years, this is the first time I've actually sat down. Martre Yamaha's Jack Kennedy. Jack, welcome to the podcast, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Uh, thanks for having me. I was quite surprised when you told me you were doing it for 10 years and I hadn't been on. So that's very cheeky of you not to have me on and all this a long time. But um, I know we've been meaning to do this most of the year and we just really yeah. haven't had time. And thanks for not making it so pushy that putting me under pressure to do it as well. And, and we sort of just landed here today and it sort of just come quite naturally as well, which I prefer as well. So I do appreciate that and uh, it's good to be finally on. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Thank you. We, we don't do pushy. There's no point. Yeah. You, you do it in your time when you're relaxed and especially you know what can happen during the day especially yeah, here at Cadwell so much going tricky. on it's so busy and yeah exactly that so when it suits it suits yeah so I appreciate you making the time thanks Jack um tell me about the season so far on the Martrain Yamaha R1 yeah it's been really positive uh, really happy with how I've performed we've had some really good results we've been running up the sharp end up at the front uh, Silverstone and Truxton and Brands and the wet and stuff like that as well so I think we've had some really good showings of form and um we've scored points in every race but two now crashed out one race my own mistake in donnington and unfortunately danny kent's bike had a problem and he crashed which took me out of the race in truxton so we've only had two non-point scoring finishes in the whole year and i think that's quite um i think impressive is the word uh to, to say um so i'm quite proud of that and um yeah i think it's been a really good year and We've been inside the top 10 consistently as well. So I think um, as our first year, I think we've done quite well. I think it's, it is quite impressive because it's such a competitive a series. And, and I've put this out and, and I'll say it again on the podcast. I've said it a couple of times today already. It is so, so competitive in that field with all the experience that, that the riders have. You're super experienced on a motorcycle, but BSB and stepping up and coming in as yeah. a four-time British Supersport champion. It's another level. It's not even, you can't even compare anything super sport to super bike. The level, like you say, is crazy. The amount you need to improve every session is crazy. You've never done enough. Whenever you think you've done enough, it's never enough. Whether it to be to get into Q2, whether it to be on the front three rows, never enough. It's crazy. There's just always someone to better you or put you back a few places. So it's, it's quite tough mentally because, like I say, you think you've done enough and you never have. So it's quite hard to take quite hard to take really especially coming from super sport where you, you most of the time on pole or on the front row and winning a lot of races to come back and readjust your targets it, it, it is difficult but i know i'm in one of the most competitive domestic series in the world and some of the best riders in the world and like you say a lot of them have been in a long time as well so they have a lot of experience and you can't just jump on a super bike like i've done now and expect to be at the front or expect to have amazing results because it just doesn't happen nobody does it anybody that's in the class is in there a few years and uh, I think the, the the speed comes with experience so yeah I think we've, we've done a good job but the, the class is just crazy and you could do a lap time in free practice one and improve by maybe 0.8 or one second in, in free practice two and go back four places and you're just like would you just give me a break <laughs> so yeah it's a, it's a bit of a joke but uh, it's fun and that's why we're here what's the the biggest thing you found out about yourself for this season, stepping up from the, the super sport to superbike? I think one of the biggest things you have to really change is your organisation and uh, your planning of the weekend, just because of how busy it is and how much you're on and off track constantly. 
like it's normally a late start on a Friday which is strange like one o'clock because I'm used to super sport which is half nine but once that one o'clock hits you basically just don't stop then for the whole weekend Saturday's so busy two races on the Sunday it's just quite difficult to manage everything manage people manage your food your hydration everything you just have to stay on top of everything and make sure you're getting a good night's sleep as well because the super bike is just so much more physical than a super sport to ride as well so I think you just have to really take care of yourself and mind everything and plan everything out quite well because there's a lot that goes in behind the scenes that everyone doesn't see and in super sports you could nearly say it was quite relaxed and this is definitely not relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> it was it's well documented. You you came up previously into BSB and it, it kinda it it wasn't the best situation no. at the time. So to get the best out of that for you now, coming up with essentially your own team back to what 2011 with Martra yeah 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 it's synonymous with the yeah, team yeah no it's great to have that relationship and that understanding with the team we all know each other and we won the Super Sports Championship last year so it's great to step up with the with the same team and relationship and atmosphere is everything in a team and I think every sort of rider knows that and you need a happy sort of nice environment around you because it's such a high stress job and environment you need them people around you to have sometimes to have a bit of crack as well because because it's so high stress and under so much pressure sometimes you need that little bit of laugh just to balance things out but obviously having a laugh and being focused and determined at the same time to do the job that you're here to do so we have a bit of crack in the team but we're also very focused and professional on what we need to do so uh, I really enjoy myself at the team and um, yeah it's been a it's been a good year so far what's been the highlight for you so far I would say even though I've had the forward position in the wet and brands it's a close one between the fifth place in um, in Truxton and race two because you're only, I think, 2.8 seconds off the win and like 0.034 off a podium as well. So I'd say that was my best ever. That is my best ever dry BSB race and it felt really good to sit in 10th or 11th place and then pick people off and come through. That was a really nice feeling and to have pace. But uh, I would say like Silverstone was quite was quite crazy the first round to to be so quick out of gate out of fourth session and to be up mixing it with it battling for the lead in the race is a little bit surreal so I, I think it's a close one between Silverstone as a whole weekend was amazing for our first round and and Truxton in the dry um for race two for our best ever result which is for me coming into doing that in your first season on what isn't a factory motorcycle Yet the Yamaha's is, is talking to Ryan Vickers earlier on. The Yamaha is good everywhere. It doesn't yeah. excel in any particular place. No, but it's good everywhere. So to come in on that package and to do what you've done, I think for me shows now that the Jack Kennedy that should have been in British Superbike four or five seasons ago. Yeah, I don't well, down to opportunity, but like you say, four or five seasons ago, and if I had had four seasons under my belt now, I think I'd be in a lot different position and I'd be challenged for wins and if not championships and I don't mean to sound cocky by saying that but I think to be quick in this class you need experience and you need time on track and you need time on superbikes because supersport and superbike is night and day and anything I've learned riding a supersport bike nearly none of it corresponds to riding a superbike just because they're so different so how in that that's an interesting thought when you look at Taz Brad Ray Carl yeah. Ride they're all super sport specialists. I know. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, I would, I would. The only thing I would say is the Yamaha probably allows you to ride a little bit of super sport style because it likes corner speed. But other than that, 
you just nearly need to forget everything you learned riding a 600 to, to try and manage one of these superbikes. When I was talking to um, to Ryan Vickers earlier, something that he said that, that I'd never really considered before, he was talking about um, racecraft and from where he's been in the series before, where he's always been attacking, he's kind of forgotten to defend. Yeah. So now you're you're running inside the top 10 and you're pushing forward all the time. Bringing that racecraft from the Supersport to the Superbike, I guess, has put you on the front foot a little bit for this season in that respect. Yeah, I think yeah, leading races and managing them from pit boards and Supersport definitely know it, it allows you to run your own race and be focused and be consistent. But like Ryan said, when you're in the pack, trying to defend is crazy. When you're in 10th, 11th place, everybody just wants to pass you. Everybody wants to go forward. Nobody is slow. So as much as you're trying to pass the guy in front, you're trying to defend from behind as well. So it's very difficult to manage. And then all the different bikes have their different strengths and weaknesses as well. Like it, it's no, it's no secret to say the Yamaha is probably, I don't want to say, isn't as strong as the the BM and the Ducati and the Honda in a straight line, but it obviously has other strengths as well. So sometimes you can find yourself getting slipstream quite easy and stuff like that, and pass on the brakes, which can be a little bit frustrating. So I think qualifying is. Qualifying is always important, but I think it's even extra more important on a on a yam to to get to the front because you need to be able to like get away with the with the front guys because trying to go forward in a race is quite difficult because of how quick everybody is. And one of the biggest things I learned as well from Supersport it's like the the race, the way a race pans out is nearly the opposite to the way a race pans out in Superbike. Supersport starts crazy. Um, pace is like what everybody has 100% limit and then tails off a little bit as in it gets stretched out and not so many people can go with you towards the end so it nearly becomes not easier but a little bit more calm towards the end whereas a superbike race especially a feature race on a Sunday you get away and you're sat in the pack and you're thinking this this is it this is okay like you know I can I can manage this and then it gets to about eight, five laps to go and everybody just makes that next step and you're just like, where has that come from? Like, there's none left of the tyre. Everybody's like, you're going to be physically feeling it as well, but everybody just seems to make that next step towards the end. So I feel like that's the biggest difference and thing I've had to learn to adapt to and to expect in, in the Superbike race. It's been an interesting season to, to be able to bring that through for you as well because managing three races over a weekend yeah. on a 230-ish brake horsepower superbike is it's a whole new level two races on an r6 you're, you're fitting up we know that yeah on the instagram you always every race has got a level of fitness yeah um but now to do three races in a weekend and muscling that thing around especially somewhere like cadwell park yeah it's an eye-opener it's it's nine day like i said to you between super sport and super bike yeah and, and the, the schedule is so busy like i said as well you just never really have time for anything other than prepping yourself for the next session um and the three races is just it, it it's a lot but i think the more i do it the more i'll um get into it and again just mentioning the experience because i think all these guys are used to because they're doing it so much as well do you feel like a super bike rider now i do i feel like i belong there um like i said we're consistently in the top 10 um, yeah, I feel like there's more and more, more and more people wanting your autograph and photos and stuff like that, which is nice as well because you sort of see yourself nearly then as an established Superboy rider. So it is good. 
And that's important as well. You've got to feel like you belong as yeah. well. Yeah. Because self-belief's important. It is. It is very important. And I think the only way you sort of get that is from getting these good results, really. And and mixing it with the guys that have been there a long time and running with them and finishing so close to them in the race and all that sort of stuff. So all that stuff has sort of helped me this year, make me believe that I should be there and I belong to be there. Going after Cadwell, three rounds left, going to tracks we've already been to. What are your expectations as we head towards the, the final three yeah, rounds? Yeah, hopefully we can hit the ground running a bit more because all these tracks we come to, it's our first time coming on the R1 and it's a lot to adapt to coming from riding them on a 600 because it's so different on the big bike. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we can put on stronger performances than we have at these tracks earlier on this year. And hopefully the weather is quite kind to us as well. But saying that, I had one of my be- had my best result in the wet and brand. So Yamaha is quite nice to ride in the wet, but it, that's not to say when the track temperature gets lower and the later in the year it won't be that as nice. But uh, we'll see. I feel like we're ready, no matter what the conditions and uh, mixed conditions. I'm I'm quite good in as well. So I feel like we sort of have don't to sound too confident by saying that that we've all sort of options are good for us uh, coming into these last three rounds and uh, hopefully the experience that we gained at the start of the year will help us in these last three as well and obviously we want to finish the strong season strong just like everybody else does <laughs> <laughs> everybody's doing the same yeah, thing yeah that's because, the difficult uh, thing yeah because it's uh, contract time ah we'll come on to that shortly <laughs> um, what I want to ask is physically that was a big hit at Thruxton when Danny yeah. had the issue with his Honda and unfortunately you had nowhere to go. That was one of those that you're kind of watching through your fingers from back at home. How so was I. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you had a dark yeah, line. Yeah, I did, but unfortunately it was just one of them. You could see him go off the track, but his back wheel was locked up so he had no control of the bike and unfortunately he came back onto the track and for me there's only so much deviation you can put into your line or slow down a certain amount because you're going that fast. And unfortunately ran into him, yeah, pain all over, uh, really winded. But everything sort of healed up quite well, ankles and wrists and fingers, anything that got a bad bang really, but ribs really didn't heal up. Every like everyday stuff at home was quite painful. Took four days off after the crash just to try and let myself heal a little bit. But you can't take the whole two weeks off because then you're not ready coming into here. So I had to get back into training and you could really feel my ribs when my heart rate came up. And you start breathing heavier, a lot of pain coming into the ribs and having to take painkillers at home when you don't even have to ride a bike is like, this isn't good. So obviously I had no idea how I was going to feel on a bike because you can't replicate it doing anything else. So came here and unfortunately I'm in a lot of pain. Doing laps around here, change direction is really painful. Um, And unfortunately like the painkillers that you can take and ice and all that sort of stuff just isn't taking the edge off it. So... I'm struggling, but uh, I know Danny Kent's not here. Um, he's ahead of me in the championship, so drilled into my head is just like I just need to gain points on him. But the one thing finishing a race, but finishing in the points is is no mean feat in Superbike. So we're going to assess the situation tomorrow, see how we are, and take it from there. I think. What would be a satisfactory end to the season for you? Come Brands, that final lap of race three at Brands, when you look back. Top six in the dry. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable and realistic target. Um, yeah, top six in the dry. I'd be happy with anything top six, I suppose. Yeah, but not just one race, the three of them, because I just sort of I'm all about consistency and consistent results is what brings you championship position. So I'm not all about 
if I'm in sixth, go and try and win the race and throw it up the road. That's not me. I think I'm because I've got a little bit of experience and I'm a bit older now. I can sort of see the bigger picture, and that doesn't bring doesn't bring results home. It doesn't make the team happy. It wrecks the bike. You've the chance of injuring yourself. You're out for the next round. So I really base myself on uh, consistency, really, and, and trying to stay on it because they're not easy to stay on. <laughs> <laughs> not when somebody locks up in front of me. No. Well, it's, it's okay. Here's another question for you then. Where's the best chance of finishing that top six in the dry before the end of the season? I'll tell you when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's nearly it's impossible. Not quite, to it's say. not quite a cop out, but I'll give you it's that. It's nearly impossible to say because I'll give you an example. I talked to Kyle Roy today and he's like really surprised at how fast he is because he's nearly a second quicker than he was last year. But then he said, like, I didn't think I'd be this quick. I was nearly dreading coming here a little bit and he's flying. And he said the same about Knock Hill. He didn't think he'd be going well at Knock Hill, but he was on the podium. He was challenging for wins. And then he was really looking forward to getting Snerton and all he could do was a ninth place. And he yeah. was just like, what is going on? So it's very difficult for me to sit here and tell you which place I'm going to be good at because we don't know what the weather's going to be. And I don't know how what my pace will be at them tracks. But um, get you as a grown-up. I know. Well, I've, I've been around, haven't I? I'm a bit older than I look. Um, uh, you and me both. <laughs> so I'm going to say Donington. That's fair. I'm not yeah. going to hold you to it. I'm not yeah. going to come like knocking on the garage door again. Yeah. You said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to do that to you. I told you I wouldn't throw you under the bus. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I mean, the fans might. Yeah, I know. But, yeah, someone will comment on social media. They're knowledgeable. They know what's oh, going on. Oh, I know. On. Well, yeah, to a certain extent. You get the, the odd one. You don't look at the, some of the forums. Yeah. <laughs> some people are great. Some... I know. Well, that's, that you're always going to get that on social media, aren't you? Hundred percent. You know, some people are going to love you, and some people are going to hate you, and that's just the way things are. It's just like we get that with the podcast. Someone yeah. watches all day long. Someone whatever watches again. It's yeah. fair enough. Yeah, and please everybody to their own. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, talk to me. We're getting into that time of year, like you said earlier on. It's contract time. Ideally, for Jack Kennedy for 2024, what would you like to see? I'd love to stay where I am. Um, like I said, I've got a really good crew around me, great atmosphere in the team sort of a family sort of atmosphere because it's like a family-run team, family-owned team. So, uh, and I think we've done a good job. So I think I, I've earned a place, I think, to stay next year. And I think if if I stayed, I think the continuity and um, the relationship would only build stronger and what that will bring is even better results than what we have now because if there's one thing I've lacked in Superbike is consistency and continuity. I've never had the chance to better myself the second year on something good and I think if I could do that now, I could really show what I can do. You'd taken my next question kind of out. Look, you're right, because that's exactly what I was going to say. With the, we, had the, um, the, 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 we had the question asked earlier on in the season when um, Tim left here, yeah. Tim left um, McCams, and like, who would you put on it? And everybody was saying, you know, put Charlie Nesbitt on it, put Storm on it. Um, but then you talk to the other riders that they're not experienced enough. But how do you get experienced if you don't get that continuity? I know. Not talking from Tim's perspective, maybe right time, wrong team, wrong yeah, team yeah. right time, whichever. We'll talk to Tim at the end of the season. But I think it's crucial for riders, even with the experience you have, to have that continuity in the first two or three seasons. Yeah. To you, make you it. You need it, class. really. You can't improve unless you have it. And if you look at anybody that's doing well, like I keep saying, like most of them are five years plus in the class, maybe three for the exceptions of maybe Kyle, who's yeah. doing an exceptional job. But like most people that are at the front are there five years, if not more. And I think, um, yeah, if given the opportunity, I don't see why we can't improve 
if we're given the tools we need to do the job and the continuity to, to move forward because I think everybody needs that. You do five years in Superbike, you'd be 30 then. <laughs> Plus what? <laughs> we know, he's right, isn't it? He's, he's absolutely right. Jennifer, could you pass me the... Uh... Well, that that, uh, that covers for, for next year. I think it's important if you can get that continuity and the team are happy to continue and do it in that way, I think that's vital for you. And I also think that we will see progression in that time as well. Yeah. Because... I think naturally it will, it will come, you know? Yeah. Well, you're governed by your results but in, in, in any class. Yeah. But to see that then go from sort of late top 10, mid top 10 to then challenging for top fives and yeah. podium on yeah. the right equipment, yeah. which there's no doubt the R1's the machine to be on yeah and still retaining the help that you've had I think would be fantastic for you yeah me too let's make it happen <laughs> that's what we need to do we need to make yeah. that happen what we've we've started um, a new uh, little segment in the show so we talk about the career and we've done that we've talked about the season and that's everything else now we're gonna have a bit of crack are we yeah <laughs> this, is, this is the bit that's fun um, because it, it, it's great to tell the story of the season, but I like to, to get to know the people. But yeah. I've seen you about the paddock, and it's enough yeah. to say hello and what have you. And it's ridiculous that it's taken me so long to get you on the show. It's just nuts. I think in the early days, you, you scared me a little bit, so I didn't want to approach you. So like, <laughs> now I've got to know you a bit better. It's, like, it's only Jack, he's fine. I'm sound. It's, it's exactly what we know that now. <laughs> well, sometimes I look at people and I go, ooh. <laughs> I like we had Tom Boothame or something. Most people think he's he was sound as a pad. He was great. Yeah. But I'm not asking an opinion on him because I'm <laughs> I don't mind him. Look, he's a he's a confident sort of little bit arrogant kind of guy, but he backs it up with results sometimes. So you can't you, you can can't knock off from that. No, nah, if you can do that, it's the it's the right thing. And uh, everybody's different, and that's just how he approaches things. And so be it. Like you know, hundred percent. Everybody's different, and that's the key. Yeah, you can't all be the same. No, because if you did, it'd be really. Some people are loud. Some people are quiet. Some people are in the middle, and that's just the way people are. It's exactly right. Jennifer has um, how many, how do you know how many? How many have you done it for? 27? Yeah. 27 questions? Yeah, no, we picked three. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got racing tomorrow, it's fine. We pick, we've got 27 questions on one side of things that we picked three from, and then we've got another side which is a bit more lighthearted as well, and we picked three from there as well. So even I don't know what's coming out on this. Oh. It's not fixed. Oh, that's 24. Okay, over the years, who has been your biggest rival? Probably Ben Curry. Um, had some amazing battles with him in Super Sports when he was on the gear in Kawasaki. And yeah, just put me under so much pressure for championships and come out stronger next day and get you a little bit unexpected as well. And ridiculously fast in the rain as well, which was so frustrating. Because, like, you know, I think, I don't know what it is about Irish or Australian people are quite good in the rain for some reason and it's always been a, like a, a battle like you know of who was nearly better but he's crazy talented in the rain and yeah really talented as well and pushed me really hard in my super sport career to to get them championships so I'd probably say him yeah I'm not going to big Ben up too much as, as a co-host on the show that we do would you say he helped improve you as a rider yeah and I, I'm, I'm I'm nearly sure he would probably say the same exactly. because we pushed each other to such maximum limits that we didn't know we really were there um, and managed to sustain it for the whole race and you're just thinking whoa that was that was a fast race you know and the two of us held on right till the checker flag so I think the both of us could probably say that about yeah, each yeah. other absolutely works both ways yeah. yeah interesting that I like that one 
16. Who's been the most influential person in your life? In general? Yeah. Jeez, that's a big question. They ain't easy questions. (laughs) (laughs) Should we go back to the one and where do you want to ride next year? (laughs) That's probably an easier question. (laughs) I'm going to say me dad. Yeah. Just because of how much he's put into me and how much time and effort and everything that he's ever put into me to get me to where I want to be and the support that he gives me and he's even here with me this weekend just doing the small stuff that nobody sees that makes the weekend easier for me whether it be bringing your helmet getting it collected making sure you're hydrated or you've got the right painkillers in you and everything and just does everything just goes above and beyond me for everything and you'd even take it back to the days where you started racing and um, we're all stuck into the back of a transit van going racing up the north of Ireland and you'd be leaving leaving the house at 4am to make it there for 7am to be set up to be on track at half 8 and he'd do all the driving he'd work all day he'd prep my bike he'd do absolutely everything and then drive us all home while we're all asleep stuck in the back of the van just all that sort of stuff because you nearly not take it for granted but you just sort of know he's going to do that but there's so many people that don't have the support of their parents like that and they have to go on their own and try and make their own way and I find it's 10 times more harder when you don't have the support of your family doing all that sort of stuff because if he wasn't doing that sort of stuff I probably wouldn't be where I am today but also you'd have to pay someone to do that sort of stuff for you which you wouldn't be able to afford so I don't think there was any way out of it without him and I don't think I'd be where I am today without him either love that that's the answer that I was kind of expecting from you looking at the question when it came out that yeah. that's the way and it's lovely to give a nod to dad as yeah. well because they don't get the credit they no they don't especially in this championship yeah and in, in this sport should I say and so, he just lives for racing and he loves it and he just loves coming here every time and he's got a great like social aspect here as well as a lot of people that he likes and you know it's here is like it's strange it's like a, it's like a, a different world from the world that you live in it's like a, it's nearly like a bubble it it's nearly like not realistic or something it's like everything from home sort of goes away or something and you come here to your another life um and obviously it's like a big community big traveling community um so it's 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 really fun to see all these people and build all these relationships with everyone and uh, i think he enjoys coming here just as much as i do fabulous i love that jennifer number two now i asked this to ben and tommy back at Brands Hatch and they completely misheard the question. Okay. Because the end bit... So listen. So the end bit is really crucial. What's the best bit of advice that you've ever received but you didn't take? Whoa. You've ever received but you didn't take? So it's kind of a retrospective question because you only realise after. You're like, damn, that was a really good advice. I wish I'd have taken that. Listen more in school. <laughs> From me, ma. It's right. Because, because it's a funny one now. Like, when I, I was quite the class clown and always in trouble, but you sort of see that as being cool at the time. But now that I'm older, I think it'd be way cooler if I had a, if I was a, a degree in, in, in a doctor or accountant and having the nice car, the nice house and all, because that's cool. The class clown isn't killed. The class clown's only killed when you're in school and you seem it's funny, but what's 
funny about it is that you're not going to get the results because you're not putting the work in. So I think, yeah, looking back at things now, I wish I listened and worked harder in skill. It's going to go back to, back to the mountain tonight going, fucking, why did they ask that question? But I'm lucky I made it as a motorcycle racer, which yeah. is super cool. But that's all I ever... because I can't do it. <laughs> that's all I ever told anyone that I was going to be whenever I was in skill. So I'm lucky it worked out. You do, you've done all right so far, aren't you? You've done good. Um, 30 of these. Number 10. Oh, you like this question a lot. What was the last thing you did for the first time? <laughs> last thing you did for the first time? Jesus. Last thing you did for the first time? <laughs> Tried a different dessert. <laughs> There you go. If you always have profiteroles and you went for the strawberry gatto, that's it. I normally go for the chocolate fudge cake and I went for the sticky toffee cheesecake. Oh. As there's an empty bowl. Yeah, it was Jenny good. With it was a good choice. Yeah, it's so, a sticky um, toffee cheesecake. Yeah. There you go. It's not a difficult question. But suddenly you go, ah, shit. Makes you think a lot, though. 26. <laughs> <laughs> You're on your own. You're in your car. You've got your Spotify or your Apple Play on. What are you singing? What am I singing? How far are we driving? <laughs> <laughs> on the way I don't know when the kids off at nursery or... I don't know what it is, but if I've got a bit of a road trip on my own, I like listening to 80s music for some reason. Oh, there's a man after my own heart. For some reason, I don't know why, I've got a soft spot for 80s music and I think that's grown up hearing my dad listening to it all the time. He introduced me to all the the artists that I sort of, and then I sort of got involved with it. But um, the main genre I probably listen to is house music or rap, really rap, uh, UK rap and USA as well. Um, so a bit of Dave, a bit of Fredo, uh, a bit of Jay Huss. <laughs> He's like, I have no idea. Ask your kids. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter will probably know yeah. what I did, but then again, she listens to 80s music as well. She's Does she? Yeah, yeah. Um, but and 80s then, music is happy music. Yeah, there's it's good. There's, there's, you can't listen to 80s music and be upset or something. No, it's good. Or, it's or just something good something. about it, yeah. Yeah, a bit of White Snake, a bit of uh, Foreigner, a bit of... Do you want to know what love it? Duran Duran. <laughs> yeah. That's a great tune, isn't it? It's a real yeah. driving song, isn't it? This is it. Isn't it? Um, what On a good sound system now. Yeah, I've got a B&O in my car. So yeah, bowls in my yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah. See, this is it. This is when we get to the yeah. proper stuff. I'm getting uh, older, am I? No. <laughs> you can appreciate older music without being old, Jack. That's not a problem. <laughs> but you're just a man after your own heart with the 80s music. That's the bit that we love. Yeah. Um, I'm a big Bon Jovi fan myself. Are you? Yeah. I mean, my loves Bon Jovi. Bon jo- loves that, that's them. my number one band, isn't it? Yeah. I've even got the Superman tattoo up on my shoulder. Have you? Yeah, it's the only tattoo I've got. You really like them then? Sit next to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like a good idea when I was 18. Yeah. I'm going to have that Superman logo on. I've got thing. some tattoos that felt like a good <laughs> idea when I was 18. <laughs> it's a good idea, but you haven't stopped. And you've got no. some, some great... What's the inspiration behind them? Uh, they all a sort, subject for you. They all sort of have a meaning, yeah. So, like, just one or two would be, like, uh, sink, sink or swim, really. I feel like you've got two options in life, you know. When when the going gets tough, you either, you either back out or you, you keep swimming. It's true enough. And that's my motto, like, giving up isn't an option. And that's the way for Superbike. It's never an option, yeah. And then that's just something, say, close to my heart, then. That's me, that's me partner, that's me dad, that's me mum, that's me sister. Brilliant. 
see this is fabulous that you Jen's like nodding at me going that's it now we've got some good questions yeah. because it's it's what means things yeah, it's, it's, it's personal to you yeah a lot of it is personal and then I've even got one on my chest um, have you got a big loom mossy chest piece no <laughs> and I've got all I've got all different bits but it's like a, um, a rev counter at about 14,000 RPM started to replicate my number and then uh, just a, a banner underneath it with written look underneath it because of uh, I was going through a bad stage in my career um, in Superbike and just having no luck and just being injured for the whole season and just never catching a break and don't know got a tattoo with that <laughs> I got luck written on me so hopefully I will get some luck but things did turn around after that it's not been an easy career for you I know you've, no. you've had some successes but there's been some left turns that maybe should have been right turns as well yes so big time yeah you, you've you've had to pull yourself through that as well which is testament to making it into superbike yeah maybe a couple of years later than you would have liked and yeah maybe done a danny book and we've had to go back to come forward again yeah but we're here but that's perseverance for you yeah yeah like giving up isn't an option like i said it never yeah. is i'll tell you what i'm gonna do um <laughs> let's do the number four i don't like when you do this giggle <laughs> this little <laughs> snigger <laughs> so we'll do question number 14 have you ever knowingly broken the law yes what did you do I can't tell you. <laughs> Not on camera. <laughs> there's a question. It's there. And speeding doesn't count. Speeding doesn't count. No. <laughs> yeah. So yes, is that, is yeah, that I was all we're quite, I was quite a bit of a menace when I was growing up, really, on the road, really, yeah. On scooters, on mopeds, uh, cars, uh, all going to all them types of car meets and uh, drag racing on on public roads and all that sort of stuff so yeah that's a that's a, a long <laughs> a lot of information that could come out of that yeah so a lot of driving offences and and some more stuff but uh, yeah luckily enough I grew up a bit and got out of all that yeah and copped on a little bit this, the, the secret of an interviewer is when the interviewer shuts up, you feel the need to talk. Yeah, so I just no. let you do it. That's why I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop myself before I say too much. <laughs> See, because it's, it's your first time on the show, and I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you, Jack. This has been fabulous. Thanks, I've enjoyed it too. Um, the two final questions that I ask every guest on their first time they come on. Um, the first one is in two parts. What's your favourite corner and why? Favourite corner on UK tracks. Favourite corner, wherever you've raced. Hmm. I'll give you a bit of fill-in time, because you, m most guests, when I go, what's your favourite, they automatically go for track. Yeah. But it's not, because that's too easy. Your corner's a little more difficult, because you've ridden the tracks all over the, over, the, the uh, over Europe and the world, and you've had a lot of time on tracks. But one corner, I'm, I'm buying you so much time here, Jack. One corner that you always, end, or when you've come out of it, you go like, yeah, nailed it. And it gives you that little fizzy feeling down in the old man garden when you've done it. I'm going to say Phillip Island, Tom 1. And then I forgot to say UK track, uh, Druid, Sultan Park. That's a corner. That's a corner. <laughs> it's Jen's favourite circuit. <laughs> it's Alton Park. It's the one place I love watching yeah. at Alton Park. Druid's. Yeah, it for me it, it just so exit. much in it. So much going corner. on. Yeah. 
so much going on but yeah Phillip Island turn one it's full commitment there yeah a lot of people so say turn fast. three especially if they're on a super bike yeah that's turn three because just, you're powering through yeah but there's so much commitment for t- it's me talking like I know what like, more like I've done so it. fast yeah the commitment that you need to go into that is, is something special especially if the wind's behind you that's another one I've never even thought about was turn one at Navarra where we tested at the start oh, of the year yeah. my god on I've the super bike never experienced a corner as fast as that 170-ish plus and the rest it's 6th gear on the limiter it's it's unbelievably fast on full full lane yeah it's crazy and there's no I've never experienced a corner like it for speed that gets your attention yeah big time and going on what you just said previously about I don't know whether to ask this one or not (laughs) what's your best hire car story whoa and every guest gets asked this question. I'm not, this isn't just because of what you said earlier. Every guest gets asked this question from Freddie Spencer to Wayne Gardner. I've been quite, um, I've actually been quite good in higher cars, as in, having really, I've never wrote one off, never crashed one badly. No, I'm, I've actually kept it on four wheels. I'm relieved. I know. <laughs> um, plenty of racing. Plenty of overtaking, um, and then obviously when you've got the full cover, I'll never forget in uh, Spain, went out to Spain, first time testing, it was Appleyards, and no, it wasn't the first time, because I rode from obviously in 2011, mm. but I rode from then 2018, and Robin Appleyard is like the biggest child ever when he gets into a higher car with full cover. So you're sat there wait, at a traffic light waiting to go and then you just get rear-ended and you're just thinking, what's happening there? And you just see Robin look behind him and he's giggling his head off laughing. And then it was just basically bumper cars yeah. for the whole rest of the trip then. But like, just feels wrong doing it. And then every time you come to a stop, you're nearly sat like that, braced. You know what I mean? When you stop after racing go-karts and you're parking up and you're waiting for the smack. Yeah, but um, kept them all on four wheels. That's good. Yeah. Compared to what you said earlier, which you I know. said that, I, you brought that out. All I did was show I know. No, I managed to <laughs> look after them. And then, obviously, you drive them hard and all that sort of stuff. But some people be going, like, from fifth gear, putting them back into second and first. And I just can't do it. I've got quite a lot of uh, mechanical sympathy uh, yeah. because I'm a qualified car mechanic myself. And just when you, I don't know, when you have that mechanical mind, you just, your, your brain just won't let you do it or something. I don't know what it is. Or even starting them up cold and holding them on the limiter and all that sort of stuff. I just, I just feel sorry for engines. So I just <laughs> that's can't. A nice, that's a nice yeah, way. Yeah, I, like I can't that. do any of that. And he was obviously when I'm when I'm racing a bike as well. Like if I do a, a back shift that was too aggressive and too high RPM, I'd be like, I'll actually come in and ask the lads like, was that okay or did I go too far on it? Like is that damaging the engine or am I in the limiter too long anywhere here or there? Because I don't want to, I don't want to damage the engine. Because obviously damaging the engine it could cost your result as well. 100%. So it's in your own interest to, to look after it as, as much as you need to ride it hard. But you can look after it at the same time. Do you apologise to the bike when you do it? I feel I do feel bad, <laughs> and I'm like, oh. But like I say, I feel like is that after taking some life off the engine? Yeah. And is that going to affect me? So it it it, it serves like it, it plays a, a part for you if you actually look after it. It will look after you to a certain extent if you know what I mean. Yeah. Because it could be the deciding factor in getting a result or not. Fabulous. Jack, thank you so much for this. Really enjoyed chatting to you. It's been great to get to know you a bit more. Uh And let's do this again sometime. I'd love to have you back on. No problem. Good luck for the rest of the season. Good luck for this weekend and the rest of the season. And we'll have you back on again sometime. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Jack Kennedy.
Cheers. It was great to finally get Jack on the show and we're grateful for his time at a busy and logistically difficult Cadwell Park. It was a really tough weekend for the Irishman. A good start with 11th in qualifying and 10th in Sunday's race before a small tip-off towards the end of race two on Monday afternoon saw the team decide to withdraw Jack from the final race of the weekend. It was announced on Monday of this week that Martrain sadly won't be renewing Jack's services for 2024, opting instead for a team overhaul and a new lineup. It'll be interesting to see what that is. There are some experienced Yamaha staff out there looking for new teams in 2024 and a few riders out of a job, like Lee Jackson, for example. Sad to see Jack lose his riders. He's really worthy of his place on the BSB grid. Hopefully something worthwhile will come his way for 2024 and he can carry on gaining the experience and show his worth even more. If you'd be so kind, drop us a follow on whichever platform you're listening on. And if you've time, drop us a star review. The more stars, the better, obviously. But if it's below a four, send us a message on the socials. Search for Off Track Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Threads, TikTok, or even send it the old way. Send us an email to offtrackhost at gmail.com. That's offtrackhost at gmail.com. And tell us what you think we're doing wrong and what we could do better to make it four or even five stars. Next week, it's Oxford Products Ducati man Christian Idden. And then on Thursday, it's a very special chat with the one and only Andy Ibbett, the former road tester and the man responsible for bringing the California Superbike School to the UK before a near-fatal stroke changed his life forever. So until next time, as always, thank you so much for listening and look after yourselves. Bye-bye. This has been an off-track podcast production in association with Graft Ventures.